okay You know it's simple, mama, down your toes, down your toes Can't meet me, man, I'm in, I'm in the zone, in the zone Michael Phelps with them flows, they're like waves and you know And I get them out fast, I'm Usain on them tracks Like Jordan to Peyton, don't talk all that trash Ain't on my level, relax, bro, just pull up them stats Let my game show the facts Know that you can never pass it, so you got another racket like Serena. No, I'm classic. It's my planet, it's my planet. On my space, you won't be jamming. Don't put me in the box. Keep on winning, I don't stop. Think you got an easy lane? I'm the Kimbe with the block. That's all you got. Yeah. I'm on another level. Yeah. I'm on another level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on another level. Yeah. Like ASAP Ferg, I'm on a new level. Okay. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. From iPhones to MacBooks to Apple TV to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more, now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Visit Opulent Inventory on opulentinventory.com and on Instagram. My guy Nash and Gardy are the very best in the game to provide you the Apple product of your dreams. Now, let's get back to the show. A lot of action that's been going on. What's going on with you out there in NJ in New Jersey, tri-state areas? What's going on, my man? Nothing much, man. Going very well. Up and down weather, a lot of snow, um, you know, a lot of rain and stuff like that. So I've just been been enjoying the vibes, man. Enjoying the energy. It's, everything's fast paced. It's a lot, it's a lot of things cooking up here in the tri-state. So I've just been trying to keep 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 flowing with the wind. Absolutely, absolutely. We took a little break myself. I had a little six-day trip to Nolens. Had some good food. Mike, you got to hit up there. You talk about gumbo, good Southern-style cooking. We're talking about crawfish, seafood, uh, shrimp, scampi. You name it. They got it out there. Um, beignets, it's, it's, it's just a place to be. It is definitely the place to be. Man, I've heard good things about New Orleans, man. I know you had a time in your life out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a really, really, really good time there. Had a chance to catch up on a Pelicans game as well Ooh. against my beloved Boston Celtics. You know, we did our thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that, that was pleasing to me. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, a, a very, very, very good trip. Um, I really enjoyed it out there. No, that's good money, man. That's good. That's good. It's always good to enjoy life and stuff like that in certain cities and be able to see life, you know, from your own perspective. It's a, it's a, it's a dope experience. And it, may, it really, really opens your mind to, to, to how the, not only the country is, but how the world really is. Absolutely. Now we get focal, we shift our focus here back to sports, Mike. Lots, and we're talking lots of things has been going on. AFC, NFC title games. We got our uh, uh, thoughts to talk about that. Tom Brady's retirement. The GOAT, the GOAT himself, um, act, actually waving the white flag after 22 seasons. Um, the NBA All-Star game, its reserves. Some first-time newcomers as well. Lots to talk about, but Mike, we'll go ahead and we start off what we saw in the AFC title game. Something that Mike I haven't seen in quite some time, and 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 the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that's been destined since the opening round of Wild Card Weekend, beating the Raiders, then going on the road and and playing a brilliant, brilliant game team and his Tennessee Titans getting a win in Music City in Tennessee, knocking off the top-seeded Titans. And then the one of all. They go into Arrowhead, Mike, down 21-3 at one point, early second. They go into halftime 21-10. And then that second half, they played a brilliant, brilliant defensive game, forcing Patrick Mahomes to two interceptions, only holding the juggernaut Chiefs to three points. All in that second half, one first down all half. That was just a defensive gem by what the Cincinnati Bengals did all year. That's something I didn't see all year, their defense. And, boy, they stepped up big time in the postseason. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, C.J. Azuma, 
they've been clicking on all cylinders. And I got to give some credit to their coach. I was very critical about Zach Taylor as a coach. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if he was ready for this. But the the fans in Cincinnati, it's it's been a long time, Mike, and I know they're happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's a long time coming. You know, it's 2022, the year of the Tigers. It's, it's, it's a... It's a special thing to see the Cincinnati Bengals go to the go to the Super Bowl and, and reach this reach this vintage point. The way the way the game played out played out against the Kansas City Chiefs was very similar to the way the game played out in the regular season. The only difference was a seven point difference between both sides of the game. Kansas City comes out firing, looks almost like a juggernaut offensively on in the first half, and defensively they make enough plays to where they are able to uh, wedge the gap and, and cre- create some separation. However, in that second half, the um. It's almost like the, the the Bengals were playing chess with them both times. They 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 almost switched, almost got more physical in the second half with their game plan. You saw the secondary play tighter man to man coverage, uh, disguise some zones a little bit, and it, and it really uh, it really threw off Mahomes in the second half. His rhythm was off. You saw him rushing throws that you know he he looked the most uncomfortable he had looked the entire postseason in that second half against the Bengals, and that has something to do with the pressure that they were throwing his way. Also, the disguising and coverages and the different schemes that they were throwing as well. It really threw off Mahomes, and I was actually shocked to see it, um, see see how rattled he was in that second half uh, Mahomes was. On that last drive, I don't feel like they were assertive enough uh, in trying to get a touchdown, and they were, they were more worried about trying to take time off the clock. Um, so it was, it was a, it was a lot going on. Hats off to Cincinnati for rattling them as much as they did, getting them in their heads and coming up and making the necessary plays that they needed to on both sides of the ball to get it done. When everybody almost, I, <laughs> I think everybody said when they were watching this game and they saw when it went into overtime and we watched the coin toss, we were literally trying to see who were going to win the coin toss to determine who was going to win the game. And you could hear the crowd joke go crazy when Kansas City won the coin toss as if they were getting ready to win the ball game. But then uh, Cincinnati came out and they made a huge play with their secondary. This young secondary of Von Bell, Jesse Bates third, uh, Eli Apple, these guys are playing tremendous football. And uh, they really showed it today and they came up with a Herculean effort. And um, they, that's why they're AFC champions and they're hosting Super Bowl. And also along with just, just Joe Cool, he never seemed to be rattled. Joe Mixon, these guys, man, this is it's a special core, man. It's a special young core, and they've they've cracked the mold of the entire AFC this year. Absolutely. What more can we say, Mike, about Joe Burrow, right? He has a chance to do something that only two other Joes did. Joe Namath in Super Bowl three with the Jets, even though they still name his name out there in Broadway, Mike. Joe Namath. <laughs> <laughs> Winning a Super Bowl as a national champion and a Super Bowl as a starting quarterback. And, of course, we know Joe Montana four times. But Joe Burrow this next Sunday, should I say, has a chance to do that. So he's going to be in, 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 in just two seasons, Mike. This guy has been special, special. And, and we've seen it since LSU, the type of damage that he can do. And he's just brought that same identity, that same aura, that swagger, that confidence. You see him at the locker room showing off his drip, his ice. He has that cockiness to him that I think Cincinnati fans hasn't seen in quite some time. And it's been over 38 years since the Cincinnati to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow in just his second season has done that, Mike. It's just a a great turnaround that sports has never seen. And we tend, Mike, to go and root for an underdog. The Bengals were not supposed to be here. They're ahead of schedule for everything. And what Joe Burrow is doing with this offense is just unbelievable. It's going to be exciting to see what they do when they head to SoFi Stadium in this week. Hats off to this offensive line as well. They've, 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 they've played tremendous in this entire playoffs when it comes to physicality in the running game. Um, I know they've had some troubles, you know, as far as pass protection with Burrow and, uh, and certain points. However, I've really noticed how physical they get at, at crucial moments, especially down the stretch as far as run blocking. And they, they created some holes for Joe Mixon where they were getting five to six, seven yards a pop, and it was nothing that the Kansas City defense could do about it. It was it was one of those wear, wear, wear and tear down performances by this O-line, and I have to give them credit for that too because that combination of them and Joe Mixon is also one of the biggest reasons, along with the, the air attack of Chase and, you know, it's Uzama, Higgins, and those guys. But that run game, really, the balance of having both, along with that lethal passing attack, is one of the main reasons why they're they're in the position they're in right now. 
when we just go ahead and we look at the NFC side of things, the 49ers, what they did in Green Bay, and we saw obviously what the Rams did against Tom Brady. This was the trilogy, Mike, the third meeting this year. And this is this is the team that the Rams struggled against, right? For anything you want to say about Jimmy G, he's 6-0 against the 49ers. To me, that's a winner, right? 6-0 against the 49ers. He's 4-1 as a starter in the postseason. He's gotten to a Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan and the Rams. This is the team, Mike, that they said that they needed to beat. They can't beat him in the regular season. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is out-schemed Sean McVay. Um, this is this is this 49ers, a team that's in their division. And it looked ugly at seven heading to the fourth, but something clicked. I don't know what clicked in that fourth quarter, Mike. All of a sudden, the line that the 49ers had, that pass protect Jimmy G for three quarters, that didn't get a sack on Jimmy G all three quarters, all of a sudden something clicked. Aaron Donald started getting home. Von Miller started getting a strip sack. Leonard Floyd started getting home. And then, of course, Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham started opening up. And Matthew Stafford didn't throw picks. And so this is what the Rams have been banking up all year long. This is why they traded their first two picks. This is why they traded their future for Stafford. This is why they went out and got uh, Von Miller in the trade deadline. They got Odell Beckham. This is what it was. They went all in this year, Mike, to win it all and win it in a Super Bowl. And they got there. They have the opportunity to play a home Super Bowl in SoFi Stadium and hats off to them because it, it looked ugly for three quarters. It did. It looked very. It was a very physical game on, on both sides, especially from the defensive standpoint on, on, uh, for, for most of this game, especially for three quarters. And uh, for, leading out of the second quarter going into the third, you really felt like San Francisco had, you know, shifted the paradigm and it really looks like they 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 had they had a, a stranglehold on this game. From, from from both sides of the ball. They were just too physical on defense. They were getting all the mass staff, Matthew Stafford's grill, forcing turnovers uh, in, in the red zone and things like that. So it was a very physical game early on on both sides of the ball. What what LA did, it, and it was like it was to be honest with you, it was one of those uh Jimmy G put together one of those drives in the third quarter that put them up 17-7. That had that was one of those game uh defying drives and those, you know, those strong quarterback leading drives that had you wonder Wow, this is if they win this game, they're gonna come back to this drive because he ate up majority of the clock in the third quarter and was able to cap it off with a touchdown. It was a special drive to put him up 17-7. However, I believe that, uh, that conversation that Aaron Donald had with his defense uh, on the on the sideline right after that is what sparked this, some of this motivation. And offensively, they came out and set the tone. What 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 San Francisco was able to take out of them, and one of the reasons they was be able to get so physical with them. They were able to control the tempo of the game for three quarters, and that for later, late in that third quarter and into the fourth, you saw uh, the Rams begin to control tempo by getting positive plays and staying ahead of the chains, and that's what they did with those last three drives and Stafford putting up points. So, they, what they did was control the tempo, and it was it was a great game, and they got that big stop. Yes, they didn't get sacks on, on Jimmy G all day, Sevy. But they, however, they did get pressures on them. Von Miller was back there most of the day. Floyd was back there. Donald, Donald was back there in spurts. But he, but obviously, he made that huge play to close out the game, forcing the interception. So it was a lot of pressures. This, this team, this team uh, doesn't get a lot of sacks uh, throughout the postseason, but they do, they do get a lot of pressures and hurries, and they do cause confusion back there and disruption. So that, 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 that that's a huge part of this Rams defense, and they came up big in the fourth quarter when they needed to. Yep, absolutely, absolutely there for sure. And and you have to feel for guys like Debo Samuels and and also George Kittle and some of these great guys because I thought the, the, the telling thing was the fourth quarter. Kyle Shanahan said if you can run the football, they, they averaged 150 in both regular season meetings on the ground against this team. And so I don't know what happened, Mike. They only ran it for 40 yards against them. And Kyle Shanahan said if we can get – and play the game off of Jimmy G's hands, that gives us the best chance to win. When they had to put the ball on Jimmy G's hand in the fourth quarter, you know, somehow, some way, he's going to make that critical mistake, and that's what happened. And I thought that I thought that, that, was, that was definitely one of the challenges for this team uh, uh, heading into that fourth quarter. So it's time, maybe is it time, Mike? Is the Jimmy G era – ending in San Francisco? Is it going to be the beginning of the uh, Trey Lance era in the Bay Area? 
I believe so because I believe you've seen the peak of Jimmy G in San Francisco as far as he can do with this team. We know he's a winner. He's an, he's an incredible game manager. However, there are those times where he costs you games because of the mistakes he will make uh, in crucial moments. And he, the position that he's in as a quarterback, because he's more on the game manager side, he he can he can uh he can't afford to make uh the, the the mistakes that a gunslinger might be able to make because of the opportunities that they can give you on the backhand. So his turnovers hurt even more than than you know a Patrick Mahomes or you know one of those franchise type quarterbacks. I feel like the the 49ers have realized that they they've reached the peak of J- the Jimmy G era and it's about time to move on. You have a young guy in Trey Lance who's developing over there in San Francisco and um you know it's 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 time to move on. It's time it's time it's time to move on from the Jimmy G experiment and see how far you can really go with this dominant defense and how and how far uh a younger more assertive quarterback I would say uh down the field and more with his reads and stuff like that potential of this offense and this team under um you know Kyle, Kyle Shanahan. Absolutely there for sure. So that sets up that sets up a dynamic clash in the Super Bowl here in SoFi Stadium. Super Bowl 56, the 56th edition, Mike, of the Vince Lombardi, the big game, big Sunday. It's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals, their first since 1988 against the Rams. Their last time was in 2018 when they lost to the New England Patriots. In SoFi Stadium, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford, um, you're going to have Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup. You want to think about some of the great matchups that we're going to see in this game. Jalen Ramsey versus Jamar Chase. I've got my eyes on that. Mm-hmm. I think America's got their eyes on that. Eli Apple versus Cooper Cup. That's going to be a critical matchup as well. And also, how does that offensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals fare with Donald and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd in that vaunting Rams defense? Um Evan McPherson, who's been dynamite as a kicker for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, will he get a chance as well? So a lot of key, key, key matchups that's going to be in this Super Bowl. Mike, what you got your eyes on? Man, I got my eyes on, on, on the trenches, man. You know where I got my eyes, man. I got my eyes on the big boys. I want to see on both sides of the ball how physical this game gets. Yes, yes, I know that uh, the Rams haven't gotten a lot of sacks, and they didn't get any sacks last week. However, this offensive line, for Cincinnati has been very uh um privy to to um give giving up sacks on the quarterback and giving up rushes and hurries and they do get back there fast they they do get back there often so I want I'm wondering uh, it, it, that matchup is that defensive line matchup uh are those vaunted guys those those guys that are matched up one on one for the Rams how are they gonna fare against that D line you know how uh that matchup between excuse me did that that matchup between the uh like you said you said Chase Chase, Chase and Ramsey, of course, but um, I, I believe I believe Ramsey will be on Cooper Cup a lot as well in this game. I think they'll mix him up between uh Odell, not excuse me, not Odell, between Jamar Chase and um I said Cooper Cup, excuse me. I think he'll be on. I, what's in the what's the what's the other receiver? You got T Higgins. Yeah, excuse Cooper. me. That's what I, that's what I meant to say. I said Cooper Cup. I mean, I think I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be on. I think they're gonna mix him up. I think it's gonna be on Chase and it's gonna be Chase on him a little bit and um. You know, he's going to mix it up a little bit because because of the matchups and because I think they want to confuse Cincinnati in a sense. I, I think there's going to be a lot of chess chess matchups between the, the, b- both these teams. So I'm really looking in the trenches to see who's going to be the most physical between the Is Cincinnati going to be able to mon- monster enough pressure on Matthew Stafford to disrupt this offense? That That's that's the key for me because we know what they did to Mahomes, especially in the second half. But can they do it for four quarters against the Rams? That's the key. That is the key. We saw Hendrickson, a free agent that they got from New Orleans, 15 and a half sacks in the regular season. He got after Mahomes in that second half. Chuba Hubbard, their second-year man from Ohio State, they drafted him early in the first round. Both of those guys on the edge, Mike, got after Mahomes in the second half, making it a game and eventually winning in overtime, and we know what happened there. Super Bowl 56. Eminem, Dr. Dre. <laughs> we also got your guy, Mike, um, uh, Kendrick Lamar, and others. So when it's all said and done, Mike, who will be this year's champion? The, the Los Angeles Rams will be hosting uh, this year's uh, Super Bowl 56 championship. This, is a, this is a, would be a beautiful ending to a great season. Um, and I just feel like the 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 battle test, the, the road that they've had to go to, how battle tested this team is. Uh, I'm not saying Cincinnati isn't. However, it's just 
it's been it's been a, it's been a um it's been a trial and error period that's gone through with this Rams team that, that lets me know that they they're ready for this moment. You know, they they went to the Super Bowl in 2018. They tasted it. They got a feel of feel of what it feels like to be at the highest level and play for for a lot of these players. And they came up short. And the opportunity to be able to come back and to host it in L.A. I can already tell. I'm sure the city is buzzing right now. These guys in L.A. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, first. First Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford, first Super Bowl in his uh, his big time playoff run. Aaron Donald, the opportunity to capture his first championship. Jalen Ramsey, opportunity to capture his first championship. This is a this is a motivated team that's been through the works, that's been through it, been through a lot as a team and as individual players. And the culmination of them all coming, this is the perfect time for the Los Angeles Rams to win uh the 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 the, the Super Bowl championship and it's going to be tough against a, a young Cincinnati team. They're going to get Cincinnati ready for another opportunity to potentially get to get back to the Super Bowl and win it. It's going to be it's going to be um uh, a tug a tug enough battle, but I feel like the Rams are, are, are mature enough and ready enough in the process to get this done this this year. Yeah, and what would that mean for Matthew Stafford? What would that mean for Sean McVay? Aaron yeah. Donald who I believe is one of the greatest defensive players who ever lived. Right. And, and what would that mean for Odell Beckham, a team that the, the, the Cleveland Browns, they pretty much gave up on him. Right. And to show them that who has the last laugh, it wasn't me after all. I wasn't the reason why it was Baker. It was Safansky in that offense. What, 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 how great would that be for that? But isn't it weird, Mike, you know, it's we, we we picked against Cincinnati three straight times, sure and then uh, it, aren't they just destined? We picked against them three straight times, and look at them—they're here. Should we dare to do that again? It just feels that destiny. There's that destiny on their side. I don't know what it is, but it's still gonna pan out, Mike, to be a great, great, great Super Bowl. Yeah, it will, and this is their. This is a part of their process. So this is your destiny. Sometimes it's your destiny to come up short in the biggest game, or come up short. Or to get to a certain point, but then all fall in your face at 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 the top at, at the top of the game in order for you, in order for you to, in order in order for you to mature and grow in your in your own um space because this Cincinnati team is very young as as, as much as they balled out as much as they've you know parent this is a very young ball club and they've got a lot of football to play left uh, in the future as long as they keep this core together. And I, I look forward to seeing them potentially get back to this point in years to come. But right now, it just feels like the Rams are destined to take over this moment. Absolutely. When we come back, folks, we'll go ahead and shift to the NBA. Lots of things are going around. There's a new superstar in town, Mike, in Memphis. And his last name doesn't end with Presley. And his name ain't Elvis. There's a new superstar in Memphis. We'll go ahead and talk about that. Also, the All-Star Game Reserves. This and much, much more inside the studio at WNSC. And we're back here on the second segment of our show today, Mike. There's a new era and a new superstar in Memphis, and it ain't man Elvis. It's John Morant. They've gotten the league by storm, Mike. They're the only team this year to beat the top six teams in each conference at least once this year. You want to know how good Memphis is, Mike? Number one in the NBA in points in the paint. Number one in NBA in block shots. Number one in NBA in steals. In fact, John Morant is second in steals overall in the NBA. And he's the one of four players to be averaging 26, 6, 6, and 2. The other guys, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. Uh, I think you're in good company because all those other guys are in MVP contention. And I have John Morant as my MVP. The Memphis Grizzlies, Mike, 32 and 18. This team has been excellent, excellent, I mean. Excellent, Mike. Second in the NBA in transition points. There's nothing that you can't like about this team. Most team people are saying, is it early? They haven't been battle-tested yet. Did they peak early? Are they going to be a meltdown like the Knicks had last year in the postseason? They're so young. I don't think so, man. The, the metrics and the numbers say that this is a team 
that is going to give a lot of headaches and come the postseason. And it wouldn't surprise me, Mike, if one of those top seeds in the West ran into Memphis and were to lose. It wouldn't surprise me at all because when we, we watch this team, we don't see this team get rattled in crucial situations. I watched this team go into Golden State last year, albeit in a play-in game, but it was a crucial game to decide who was going get, to get into the playoffs. And they went into that game, and they, they didn't get rattled. They went into overtime and won the game. And Ja was fluid in the fourth quarter and late in games with that floater and just just, just find, finding a way to get buckets. And now they have a situation where Ja Morant doesn't have to be the focal point in the final minutes of the fourth quarter because of all the weapons that they have scoring the ball offensively around him. They they put a collective uh, uh a collect a collection of soldiers and a collection of of hungry gritty young players around this brother John Moran over the last few years and it's coming to fruition this year with the ta- with the overall talent the health guys are healthy. Jaron Jackson Jr. has been out for the last year and a half because of his injuries and his health. Now that you see him on the floor on a consistent basis, you see the impact that he has with this team and how special they can be. This Memphis Grizzlies can Grizzlies team can be as good as they want to be. Because even when they mess up as a young team, when they when they turn the ball over and they get in these stretches where they're, you know, um, they 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 really show their youth, they they always combat it. Not always, but majority of the time they combat it with um, finding a way to win the game, just finding a way to stay in the game, and just you just see the overall talent, you see the writing on the wall. The eye test tells you this team is going to be around for a while, and this year they have the potential with how wide open the West is. They have the potential to potentially break open the West, depending on the matchups that they get. Similar uh, and surprise the NBA, similar to how Cincinnati Bengals surprised the NFL. Absolutely, absolutely, Mike. And I think Ja came into the season and said, "You know what? Let's take care of business now. We don't want to be in that situation where we're seven, eight, nine, and ten and get into the playing tournament and having to play for our playoff lives, and then our earning is to get a number one seed of Utah or a Golden State or a Phoenix in the first round. Let's take care of business early." That way we know at least the first and potentially the second rounds of the uh, West playoffs can go through Memphis. So I think that was one of their goals this year, and, and, and they're ahead of schedule on that, Mike. And it's funny because Ja had a notice. He had a statement for the league, Mike, after they won in New York, after they put on a show on the road and defeating the Knicks in MSG. He said, this is the this is the – uh, a slogan of our team and we've embodied it all year and it says we're going to climb up up your chimney and we ain't ducking no smoke end quote and that to me mike is scary because for a 22 year old guy 22 year old kid to say a statement like that that right there has to put the league on notice because you know all 15 men in that locker room are leading by example and listening to what he says a guy like that says we're climbing up the chimney and we ain't ducking no smoke, I think that bodes trouble for the Golden State Warriors, for the Phoenix Suns, for the Los Angeles Lakers or or, or the Clippers. We'll see if they get LeBron or Kawhi Leonard back. For Denver, who's expected to get Jamal Murray back. For for Utah Jazz, who's expected to get Davion Mitchell back. I mean, this is is trouble for not only this season, Mike, probably for the next decade. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. That 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 that's what's so scary about it is is their use and their 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 ability to grow over time and as, as and evolve and master the NBA game. And once they get to that point, they're not even five five six years in most of them. So once they get to that point, it's going to be special. It's going to be even it's going to be even more scary for the for the NBA. You know, um, but but yeah, you're right. This Grizzlies team, uh, they're they're on their way. The, the way Jaws playing, the way everybody's playing, the, the role players, Desmond Bain, he's in the conversation for most improved player of the year this year, probably Absolutely. Uh, potentially. He's um uh this is just a, it's a squad. It's a total team, total team effort, and and the, the way the way they've grown. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing to seeing them uh, prosper this year, this year and in the years to come. Yep, absolutely as well. Definitely there for sure um, about that. Let's talk about the Memphi- uh, the Phoenix Suns, Mike, who are, were in their second double-digit streak this season um, before losing last night, of course, to the Atlanta Hawks. They were 41-9 and before losing last night. And ultimately, the West Reserves came out. Both Chris Paul and Devin Booker made the reserves, but there was a lot of people saying that uh, why didn't they make the uh, the starting five. Why didn't they make the starting five? Well, you got to think about it, Mike. Who are you going to take out? John Moran you. is your guard. You got Steph Curry as the combo guard. So who, who are you really going to take out? But, of course, we can't ignore what the Phoenix Suns have done. 18-game winning streak earlier. 
Now they just ended their 11th game winning streak. So I think for Chris Paul and Devin Booker, their eyes are set on not the All-Star game, but to get back to where they were last year to make sure make what happened. Yes, uh, to, to address your initial point, Sebi, it's a lot of people out there, um, um, sports fans and things like that, who if if their player, if a, if a certain player um, didn't make the starting, didn't make the starting lineup or in the all-star lineup, they, they feel like they should be plugged in a different position in order, uh, uh, even even if it's not their position, they should be plugged into a different position because they, they're a starting quality type of player. It doesn't work like that. You know, it, it, it just doesn't. I mean, you can't. John Moran has been playing exceptional. He's been playing lights out all season long, and even when he was out, he still had. He's when he came back, he was still doing his thing. You know, it's very similar to the Andrew Wiggins situation. You know, a lot of people are mad that Luka Doncic isn't a, a starter uh, in the All Star this year. Well, you, like, you should take Andrew Wiggins out for Luka Doncic. Well, they play two different positions. You can't you can't uh, discredit Andrew Wiggins because he got the starting spot at his position. Um, and take him out because you want to see Luka Doncic in the starting spot, that, that that doesn't add up, you know. So sometimes with these reserves, because of how deep the West is with the talent and the skill set out there, there's going to be situations like this. Yes, Chris Paul and Devin Booker have played outstanding ball this year. Um, I Actually, I personally feel like Devin Booker should be a starter more so than Chris Paul um, on, on that list. But it's just so much competition and so you much. You gotta take out like there. who you're gonna take out. Do you take Steph out? Do you take Ja out? <laughs> no, but who's the who's the starting two guard? The starting two guard is Steph and Ja. So the, the starters are Steph, Ja, Andrew Wiggins, LeBron James, and Nikola Jokic. So yeah, see, you have to be a reserve. Out? You have to be a reserve because the, I'm not taking Steph or Ja out of the out of those situations. I mean, they they have to be the two guards. Um, but but if if it, I, I would say Devin because Devin Booker Devin Booker is a natural shooting guard. He's he's semi he's semi a combo guard just like Steph is so I don't I'm not mad at Steph for being at the at the two guard because he is I do look at him as a combo guard so I don't mind him being at the reserve but it's so tight it's so competitive that you know it's you know be, be happy that he's even in the All Star game because of how tight it is you know right 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 absolutely absolutely first timer uh, John Morant is a not only an All Star but a starter for the All Star game which is something special. The West was led by a pair of Phoenix Suns, obviously Booker and Chris Paul and Luka Doncic that headlined the, uh, the the West, the West reserves. Any any snubs, Mike? Any snubs that we didn't think about in the Western Conference? In the Western Conference, any snubs? See, that's Carl Anthony Towns was was one Carl, that made Carl, it. Carl, Carl Anthony Carl. Towns has played excellent basketball, Mike. He said he he did make it. He yes, wasn't he did. yes, yes, yes. So, okay, so yes. the list goes: Rudy Gobert. It's Rudy Gobert, Luka Doncic, the pair of sons. You also got Carl Anthony Towns um, in there. I don't think that there was anybody that really got snubbed to me in the Western Conference. Your thoughts on that? Donovan Mitchell got in, right? Donovan Mitchell, yes. Donovan Mitchell got in. Um, it's to, it remains to be seen if he's going to actually be able to play. Um, but yes, he did get in. LeBron James is hurt, so uh, we'll see if he he has the opportunity to to uh, actually play. But yes, Donovan Mitchell is there. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm I'm smooth with the uh, with this year's All Star. I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe it was any snubs. Yes, Draymond Green is out for three to four weeks. He won't be in the All Star game. He did make the reserve, so there will be a spot there for another power forward in the Western Conference. It remains to be. Who is it going to be? But Draymond will be out for the All Star game, but he did make the list. Okay, okay. Yes. Now I'm I'm good I'm good with this list so far. This year I can't think of any in the Western Conference. I can't think of any snubs off the top of the head. Let's go out east, Mike. Let's go out east where there's a lot a lot of newcomers on 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 this one. Fred Van Vliet, a guy that banked on himself, Mike, and put the Toronto Raptors now in position to possibly contend for a playoff spot. They're still in that play in hunt. Now you also got Darius Garland. You can't ignore what the Cavs have done Absolutely. this year, Mike. Darius Garland got a, 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 is an all-star reserve. Jimmy Butler and James Harden to round out the backcourt. And then in the front court, you got Chris Middleton, Zach Levine, and Jason Tatum. That rounds up the Eastern reserves. Yes, yes. I, 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 love, the, I, lo I love the reserves for the East. It's been very competitive. Pascal Siakam would have been an all-star this well, He would have been an all-star. Uh, this this season, had he not started off the season hurt, he got hit with the injury bug. But the way he's been playing, he would have been an all star. But uh, I love I love what I'm seeing on the Eastern Conference side. It's been a lot of competitive b basketball 
a lot of consistent basketball in the Eastern Eastern Conference. So, um, what do you have to say for Garland and, and Van Vliet? Darius Darius Garland Darius Garland has been has really been playing special basketball, and he's really put the pressure on the Cleveland Cavaliers to make a decision with Colin Sexton. That's how good he's he's been playing this year because the 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 lead point guard role that he's playing, the dominant scoring, the the picking his spots. And Sebby, what makes this Darius Garland so special is that he's doing this without a stretch five big. He has dominant bigs inside. These aren't guys that are bringing pressure outside of the paint and allowing him easy drives to the basket. No, these are bigs that are that are that are constantly in the paint uh, throughout the majority of the play. So the, the, this is very special what Darius Garland is doing from a, a scoring perspective and being able to facilitate the ball and knowing when to pick his spots from a high IQ perspective. He's playing great ball. And Fred Van Vliet, he's taking this game to another level. You, he, he's one of the uh, spearheading, one of the main reasons as far as floor generals and, and getting everybody involved and also also being a dominant threat on the outside. His, his clutchness, his three-point shooting, his ability to hit free throws uh, down the stretch when it matters most, it, it has been huge for this team. You know, they have the size uh, and, and, the, and the length and the bigs in order to be able to take care of the perimeter defense and the other, the blocking the shots and, you know, all the dirty work for him. And he just goes out there and he, um, he he's able to put the ball in the hole at, at a very supreme and skilled skilled level. And uh, it's one of the main reasons why they're 27 and 23 and putting the world on notice why they're one of the top teams in the East this year. Absolutely. Now let's focus on the slums, Mike. This was a big conversation and controversy when the game, when the selections came out. You have... <clears throat> Three big ones here. Um, we've got LaMelo Ball, who's had the Charlotte Hornets riding high. Um, this is a guy that's a franchise-changing guy. Um, but, again, you go back to who you're taking out. Darius Garland has earned himself that spot. Van Vliet has earned himself that spot. And you also got the starters. And Trey Young, who we saw what he did last night against Phoenix, um, and also DeMar DeRozan. So who you're taking out, it's 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 tough to see that LaMelo Ball missed out. J- Jalen Brown, a guy that's a 25-point scorer for the Celtics, he missed out, Mike, as an all-star mm. sub there is, is, as well. Um, for the Celtics, um, it's Zach Levine and Chris Middleton got it ahead of them. His teammate Jason Tatum did make it, wow. but Jason Tatum did miss out. Those were the two biggest snubs in the Eastern Conference. I'm a little bit surprised that they put they decided to put Chris Middleton in there over Jalen Brown this year because of how consistent Jalen Brown's been. Um, but but uh, I believe um, I believe the, the coming off the championship, the the efficiency, the way he's the way Chris Middleton's playing, I believe that's one of the reasons why he's in. However, I just love the improvement that Jalen Brown has made to his game offensively year after year after year. And this year, it feels like he's playing the best offensive basketball of his career. Along with you know the defensive powers that he brings, yeah, absolutely. I would have put I would have put Jalen Brown in the, in there. This well, year. Your thoughts on Lamelo Ball? I, I thought he deserved to get in. I, I was shocked by that more so oh. than Jalen Brown. Um, but Lamelo Ball, I thought would have been a lock. Uh, I mean, I, I think I think I think people to me are, are looking at the the the, the quality of like Miles my, Bridges as well. Mike was another yeah. One yeah, Miles Miles Bridges, Miles Bridges was playing was playing tough as well. But Miles Bridges' position is tough in the Eastern Conference as well. But it's it's as far as the metal ball, that's that's one of the toughest the tougher ones. Um, I think people get caught up in the flashing, the flashy plays and stuff like that. And 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 when you look at the efficiency, when you look at you know the flow, I think people are looking at the contributions of all the other players around him and saying uh, there was more there was more around him than what um, let's say for example. Garland, Garland had at the time and stuff like that. So I think I think they give the nod to Garland because of how well he played and, and Van Vliet because of what he's doing in Toronto. Whereas what Lamelo Ball is working with out there in Charlotte, I think those guys get the nod right now. Yeah, absolutely. But it, but you could make an argument for Lamelo as well based on how he's playing. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. He's been absolutely dynamite there as well. That wraps up our second segment here today of the NBA. We know that the All Star Game is February twentieth. And Cleveland, that might have been the reason why Darius Garland also got into uh, <laughs> in Cleveland, uh, where LeBron and of course Steph Curry were born in Akron. So kudos to the city of Cleveland for hosting the festivities. There we'll be watching that on TNT the 20th of February. But when we come back, Mike, we'll wrap up things with Tom Brady's retirement and of course your closing arguments. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show. 
live and streaming here on WNSC Radio. And we are here on our third and final segment here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show today. Myself and my ride partner, Michael Gray, Tom Brady's, his legacy has been cemented, I think, about already six years ago. <laughs> but the longevity in which he played, Mike, stated that there isn't no one in doubt that he is the GOAT. He is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, quarterback of all time and undoubtedly one of the greatest football players to ever live in this sport. 22 seasons, two teams. If you look at just the first, uh, uh, you you look at a decade and two decades, you compare both of them. Mike, he has a resume that would make him a Hall of Famer for both of them alone, right? If you Mm -hmm. just took the first 10 seasons of his career and just took the second decade of his career, both of those, scream hall of fame to you first ballot what will he be remembered mike uh he'll be remembered as 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 the 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 greatest the most accomplished quarterback and the greatest the greatest quarterback of all time in that sense that that's what he'll be remembered as one of those guys that he was a warrior he was clutch um he was a winner he galvanized the troops on both sides of the ball um he brought a certain winning mentality to the team and he showed it in his own preparation you know, he was a leader by example, not 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 just by you know vocally, and you know somebody that who who wins like that and, and takes a lot of scrutiny. There's a lot of people that might not like him, but a lot of people is majority of people that respect his game and they respect what he brought to the game of football. If you're a fan of the game of football, because he's the ultimate competitor, the ultimate warrior, and um, you know he he really he really uh. He really transcended and revolutionized um, longevity in, in, in this game. And he's he's a special quarterback, man. He's a special guy, and uh, he's one of those guys that will be missed. He was the last of – he's almost, I believe, the last of that golden era, if you want right. to uh, say. Right. I mean, this is uh, – now that he's retired, this is pretty much the start of that new age, that new era of, of uh, quarterbacks in the NFL. And uh, Tom Brady was the last one. And uh, he will be no to, to me. He's not the best quarterback of all time, but he is the greatest quarterback of all time because of his accomplishments and his resume. You can't dispute that. And he'll go down as that. He'll go down as that. And I don't believe uh, no nobody will catch him for a long time, if ever, in that department. So who who is the greatest of all time? Now you say that, Tom. No, he is the greatest of all time. Okay. He's the greatest because of accomplishments and resume. But I don't believe he's the best quarterback of all time. I believe there are other quarterbacks that can do things on the run in the okay. pocket of throwing the football better than him. But he's the most accomplished, and he's the greatest because of his resume and what he's brought to the game. Interesting, interesting. Interesting there. Talking about Tom Brady there as well. Mike, this is your time to shine. Let's take it away with your closing arguments. Yes. Uh, today I wanted to talk about the Brian Flores situation. Absolutely. I'm glad uh, but it, was, it was one of the biggest topics this week. It was one of the biggest topics um, – uh, uh, last week as well, uh, towards the end of last week, I want to say. Um, usually we have a coaching carousel, uh, a, a, a coaching fiasco during this time of the year every season. Uh, this is usually around the time when coaches start to get hired for opportunities and interviews and, you know, brought in and stuff like that. And use, this is usually around the time where we have the same conversation. And I just want to know at, at what point do we, you know, instead of looking at the – Corporate, how about we look at the system that's in place? This is a, a crooked system that's in place, Sebi. This system, had, this system has been in place um, under the, the tutelage of Roger Goodell and Troy Vincent, who's the head um, minority uh, leader, leader of the NFL as far as the, the executive behind the scenes making decisions. <laughs> and this, this, this Rooney rule has been a joke ever since it started because, you know, we, we, on, one hand, on one hand, we're saying that 
we don't want sympathy jobs, but then you give you have a situation where uh, you give a team an op- option of getting more draft picks if they hire a, a a black coach. This is this is this. I think the system in place is the biggest reason we have all this confusion and we have all this commotion with the uh, the Brian Brian Flores situation, with the situation that we had back back then with Hugh Jackson. It's it's so many coaching carousels and situations where we've had this this type of deal and. I believe it starts up top. It starts up top with who's the head honcho. Roger Goodell is done. Yeah. It's upper management. Roger Goodell has done a terrible job uh, managing this situation uh, over the years, ever since he's been a commissioner. And Troy Vincent has done an even worse job in managing the situation because the rules should have never been in place in the first place. It should have it should have been a situation where, 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 where brothers have an opportunity to be interviewed and this, then the third for the job and, um, over, uh, and, and qualify themselves without having to you know, have this rule in place. It's, 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 it's ridiculous that the rule is in place from the jump. Um, and I believe that's the reason why we have all this commotion. And as long as this system is in place, every, there's, there's going to be conversations about this every single season. Every single every single off season during this time, there's going to be the same commotion every every single time until this system um, gets taking place and we and we're able to just have conversations and have meetings and interviews without having a rule in place that uh, that that gives us a, a pity party and a sympathy party just for hiring a minority coach. No, you hire that coach because he's the most qualified. He's this, that, and the third. You don't hire the, you don't you don't you don't give us a sympathy pass just just for that situation. So the, the Brian Flores situation. I don't know if Stephen Ross is as any worse than any of the other owners out there, but I, I do know, based on his track record in Miami over the last 13 years, I know there are a lot of people down there in South Florida that want Stephen Ross out of Miami for, for, for multiple reasons, not just this Brian Flores situation. So yeah. this, 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 this Brian Flores situation has, has tipped off a lot of, uh, a lot of conversation and a lot of different angles from different perspectives, but I do believe that the system is fraud and Stephen, not only just Steve, not only Stephen Ross, that there's there's a bigger agenda in place um, going on behind the scenes, and I do believe Stephen Ross is one of the owners that that needs to go, but for 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 more reasons and more situations other than this this Brian Flores situation. Absolutely, Mike. Um, and Brian Flores had, I I was shocked. He had no. I was shocked he made those messages, man. He, he first of all, I was shocked that he was in a position to lose his job. Like I, to me, he was he was safe. The Dolphins started one and seven. They run out and won eight straight, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, they 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 lose against Tennessee and then they beat New England. So he won, you know, eight of his last nine games and then he gets fired. Like to me, that that was just kind of confusing to me. But I agree with you, Mike. All of this starts with management and it, it's been poorly run. Um, and and I kind of consider this, Mike, as a dictatorship. There's <laughs> there's a lot of dictators out there, whether it's presidents, general managers, executives, whoever it is. And, and they, they, they just, they're like tyrants, Mike. They make their own rules and then they get away with them. And I've been on the record for Roger Goodell to be gone a long time ago, right? Since how he poorly managed the Ray Rice thing back in 2012 to some of the Colin Kaepernick things, right? Remember Big Ben, and his allegations in a weight, right? With oh, yeah. sexual allegations, that was poorly managed. So Absolutely. there's been a lot of lot of things under Roger Goodell's resume that's been poorly ran. And you could just add this one to that because for a guy like Brian Flores to call out the NFL, let alone give him a lawsuit, and for Roger Goodell not to even step in and, and say or do anything or take any action, that to me speaks volume on his character and how he's been poorly managing this league. Sebi, you want to know what, what, what I, I believe to me is one of the biggest reasons why Brian Flores is as outraged as he is. Um, I don't, I don't know if he'll ever say it publicly, but I believe one of the biggest reasons that he is as outraged as he is, is he doesn't want to be, he don't, he doesn't want to be another Tony Dungy or Mark Jackson. And what I mean by that is he doesn't want to be another coach that is a part of the process of molding a team and building a team structure up and building up a certain culture in that in that environment and in that organization and then all of a sudden get fired before they hit their peak and then they all of a sudden bring a white coach in and he gets the credit for the success that the brother molded up in, in the times of need and got right and that to be to be I don't know if Brian Flores will ever say it publicly but I do believe deep down 
there's there is something in him that, that that feels like this situation right here, he doesn't want to fall into the same situation that Tony Dungy was in with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in 02 and mm-hmm. Mark Jackson was in back with the Golden State Warriors back in 2014. So I, I do believe there's some correlation there. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Mike. You said all the right things there um, for sure. I'm excited to see. I, I, I think Brian Flores might have jeopardized his, his chances of being another head coach. But to me, Mike, again, like he said, this is beyond him. This is above him. This is, this is for all the other coaches out there, all the other black coaches and brown coaches out there that are looking to get jobs. You think about Eric Bieniemy of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's got a meeting with the New Orleans Saints, right? You think about all the other young and upcoming head um, coaching or, or offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators out there who's, who's hot names. He did this above him, Mike, knowing that he might have jeopardized his own opportunity to get head coaching jobs, but it might give the NFL a wake-up call because what they did to them, Mike, is, is, just, is just unbelievable. You think about what your New York football giants said, and, and obviously Brian Flores spoke up about this. He said that in their minds, Brian Dable was always their guy. But if Brian Dable was their guy, why, 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 why did I even have to come for a meeting? And then not yeah. only that, he had to come for a second meeting, Mike. So all of this is just, this, just, just, just buffoonery to me. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. think about you know, how the team is running in, 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 in New York with John Mara and the Mara family. Well, that's another story for another day. But, oh, you yeah. know, all, all, all of that ties into it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. At the, at the top, there's a lot of... There's a lot of stories that you can unpack with the situation. And I believe, I'm sure the NFL behind the scenes is going to try their best to get this situation squared away so that we don't have to go deeply invest, investigate other owners or other situations, uh, uh, you know, behind the scenes or other records of, uh, of, some, of some mishaps or some, you know, some yeah. situation that came out. So they're going to try their best and do everything they possibly can to try to sweep this under the rug and get this, this, uh, this media scrutiny and this, yeah, Mike, this, this talk out of here. For a long time. This oh, yeah. For a long time. Hugh Jackson deliberately losing games for <laughs> that's just crazy yeah. yeah 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 this is not the first time we've heard of potential tanking and yeah, uh this yeah. is in, in in multiple sports mm-hmm. this is something that's gone on in sports for a long time man yeah. uh I, I don't i don't see it going away anytime soon this is uh brian flores is just somebody that that spoke about it publicly and, and brought it to the forefront definitely definitely there for sure mike that wraps up for this week's show on the Sevy podcast radio show myself and michael gray we want to wish you guys a great, great weekend. And uh, looking forward to next weekend's Super Bowl. Obviously, there's a two-week layoff on that. College basketball, Mike, has been on a swing of things. We'll sure talk have. about that next week. But for everyone and every others, we hope you have a great weekend. Peace. Hey, everyone. We're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show. And frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our itunes and spotify and remember you can stay locked in here and connected sevipodcast.info link for the latest news articles interviews and much more and remember wherever you're listening on air or online the sevi podcast is wherever you go